0: They cracked the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes.
2: But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up, and welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Black Card Gold Pants SB Nation's Community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, is Jerry Sherwin. Jer, are you ready for Thanksgiving this week? I'm ready for Thanksgiving, and more importantly, I'm ready to watch another Hawkeye win against the more championship-ready Nebraska Cornhuskers. Don't let them don't let them tell you otherwise out there. Nebraska is a better program than Iowa, and the people's champ, David Johnson, is also here. Champ, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm so excited for Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday of them all I mean what what is better than shoving your face all day and watching football I mean it's just an uh, the American dream right there
2: it's a it's a pretty solid holiday Is it your favorite holiday champ out of all it, of them?
0: It is my favorite holiday It has been since I was a youth and it just keeps getting better as I get older and it's just because then you can drink and eat and it's it's just a wonderful holiday <laughs>
2: it's, it's it's really tough to beat all right guys. Reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Subscribe to the Black Heart Gold Pants feed. We are everywhere you guys can get your podcasts. Share with a friend. It's Thanksgiving. If you're thankful for us, we're certainly thankful for all of you that listen, subscribe, download. So be one of those people, and we'll be very thankful for you. Follow us on Twitter at Black Heart Gold or at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Guys, before we kick the show off this week, our co host Jer went to the Horseshoe this weekend to watch Penn State, Ohio State. And so I think it's only fair that he did, since he didn't have to watch the snoo- snooze fest that was the Illinois game, that he give us a book review style review of his weekend in Buckeye Land. Jer, the floor is yours. If I'm opening up my Yelp app to leave a review for Columbus,
1: my review is a five star rating. And here's why. The way Columbus goes about their football Saturday is unlike anything I've seen at any other Big Ten school that I've had the the privilege of visiting. The reason being is that Ohio State knows they're going to win and they tailgate and they celebrate and they go about their day knowing very well that they are a bunch of winners. Not (laughs) one single person before the game not one single person during the game not one single person when the score got down to 4 was ever concerned about ohio state losing to penn state and that aura that what some people would call arrogance is something that i realized i craved desperately Because there wasn't a single fan, and they were all wonderful to me because I was stepping on campus, I had nothing to do with anything, they have mad respect for the University of Iowa, as many programs if you go and visit, they do. There's nothing you can really say about Iowa from a fan perspective. But...
0: When especially I especially because the last time we played them, we absolutely destroyed them. But continue. Drunk.
1: Correct. And, and they did have a little sour taste in their mouth from that. But you know what I said? Every squirrel finds every blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Um, trust me, I would much would have rather have had 2009 when DJK ran that thing back to the house and we had our backup quarterback in and we went to OT. But anyways, um, like I was saying, Columbus, even when the backup fake Tim Tebow came in for Penn State, And the thing got to four and Penn State was just running up and down the field on Ohio State and they couldn't do anything. They didn't care. They just knew they were going to win. And it's like, think about how often when we're at a tailgate in Iowa or when we're texting before a game. And I'm sure a lot of you have these same types of feelings. You're wondering what I was going to have to do today to get this win. (laughs) What I was going to show up. Right. What Iowa's going to be there? What offense is going to be there? Is Brian Ferentz taking over? Is Kirk Ferentz still the one that's in the captain's seat? Is Nate Stanley going to be good today? But Oh, he's on the road. So what are we going to do with that? There's so many questions about
2: every single one of our football Saturdays, not in Columbus. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned like what some people perceive as arrogance. I think what most people perceive that is just being a Nebraska fan, as we kick off <laughs> Nebraska week just fine here. Nice. Because when you when you demonstrate it week in and week out, consistently year over year in the last five years, not in the last you know thirty five years ago, you ha- you have the right to have that confidence going into every single week, and so they have every right. I'm glad that tailgating was exactly like 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 that because. That's what good programs do. I'm sure that's what most, S, like Alabama and now LSU tailgates are like. We went down yeah. to Florida when they were in the when the heights of being good. It was very similar. Everyone was very cocky. Everyone was very arrogant. At thinking it's just them. fun, right? It's just fun. It's a lot more fun when you can just have a big old party and you pretty much are, you expect to win,
1: right? And you're 18 and a half point favorites walking in the door at your house against the probably the second best team in your conference.
2: It's It's just. It's amazing. I'm excited to. I think we're all we're all going next year, no matter what, because when Iowa goes down there, who knows what we won't have that arrogance, cockiness going into going into Columbus. But it'll be fun to experience that. Correct, and I'm sure the fans will be a little
1: bit different, of course, because we are the actual team they're playing that day. But it was just an observation that I noticed, and it's something that we talk a lot a, a lot about this Iowa team, and we know that their developmental program and we, we know that there's a Wisconsin you have to get through and, and maybe Nebraska at some point down the line. Right now it's Minnesota. But just being able to go into the majority of weekends knowing that, like, you're fine – would be just a lovely way to go through a saturday.
0: I mean that's got to be I mean it sounds like a wonderful experience. I mean I I, it, I feel like that would be a great thing to do every saturday going there knowing that you're going to beat their ass and the, and then occasionally you may lose a game once in a while but you're still going to probably go 11 and 1 and maybe make the playoff anyway. So I mean it's it sounds like a wonderful time.
2: So Here's a, here's a random way to tie it back to Iowa. Have you guys ever had that feeling in any of these teams since you have started following the Hawkeye program? Any no, year have I, you been that like confident week in and week out?
1: I mean, I I give off the, I portray as if I'm confident, <laughs> but it's often in my head I'm debating. I couldn't even sell myself on Iowa winning against Illinois, and obviously so. Like that game was exactly pretty much the way I thought it was going to be. Lovey's defense was very very good, flying all over on the field. I didn't get to review it with you guys. You guys recapped it perfectly. That defense is very good. Illinois' offense isn't, and Iowa just seemed to not know what the hell to do because it kept stopping and bailing on the run. But
2: so, you've never had a year like like I, I'm looking at my uh, orange bowl. I'm looking at my orange bowl poster right now, and I can honestly say, as a junior at the University of Iowa, called arrogance as opposed to confidence. But I legitimately thought. Midway, maybe a quarter of the way through the season, I was pretty confident. Week in and week out, I was going to win those games.
0: Yeah, that's how in in twenty fifteen I felt that way too. During the see, I didn't feel that way in
2: twenty fifteen.
0: See, I, I mean, a lot of those games were ugly, but I just, know going into those games, I just knew I was going to find a way to win. They're going to go in there. Like, I went to two games that year. They played Illinois at home. They absolutely hammered them. I was at that game, and I, I believe it was a Northwestern road game. I was at that, and they went in there and just destroyed them as well. So, those were two times that I remember just feeling ultra confident in the guys. That was a year that I could recall. There hasn't been many years where we've dominated all year, and, and- I mean... That year, I know there were some close, tough games, Indiana, Nebraska, that were nail biters, but for the most part, I felt pretty confident in most of those games.
2: And that's the sad thing is that we can handpick years, or we can only handpick years where, where we had any sort of confidence going into every single game, where schools like Ohio State and other programs that are those blue blood programs probably have that every single week of every single season. 100% 100% and
1: I think you're right DC there was some magic with Ricky Stanley that year yes. so I would say that yes that was probably the and last that defense time.
2: was so good correct absolutely all right so before we get to the rest of the show we got some business to get, take care of if you follow the site follow us on Twitter you guys know we have a few different contests going on through black Heart gold pants the first one we are giving away a ballpark blueprint uh, for people who follow everybody on the staff at Blackheart Gold Pants and sent us proof, the keyword there being you had to send us proof. But shout out to ballparkblueprints.com. They, were, they hooked us up with a few prints for the staff and wanted to give one away to all of you guys. And so the only—the way you win, the, was the contest was you had to follow everybody on the staff and send us proof. The winner of that uh, blueprint is going to be at Passenger on Twitter. So we'll get in those DMs and get you that blueprint. But the other contest we had running that was a podcast only one was giving away an echo dot. And the way we did that is you had to get into those iTunes reviews or those Apple podcast reviews and leave a movie quote compare, previewing the at, Iowa men's basketball season. And the winner for that is going to be Depot 13 on Twitter. And for, let me pull up his his compare or his quote real quick. Um, did not come prepared. so this is my bad. Jerry, do you have that up by chance? It was put (laughs) up or
1: nut up or shut up, I believe it was was, was our winner. Yes.
2: So it's from Zombieland. It was time to nut up or shut up. Coach Fran to Joe Wieskamp reviewing or previewing the all big or the Big Ten season for the Hawkeyes. That, I think, quite frankly, is the most accurate way to sum up what the season's going to be the rest of the way because news came down today, Monday, as we record this that Jack Nungy tore his ACL. He is out for the rest of the season. And so with that, the other piece of news that comes with that is just recalibrating expectations the rest of the way for the Iowa basketball season. So if you look through for the end of last season, Tyler Cook goes pro, Isaiah Mosh transfers to Kansas, Maishe Daly goes home, Nicholas Baer graduates, (laughs) Coach Francis goes to Cal, Jordan (laughs) Bohannon gets surgery, Nungis out for the season, Patrick McCaffrey has has, has his health issues. Those are so many things that are going wrong for the Iowa men's basketball team in less than a year, in like six months. So how is it t- – it's time to recalibrate goals. What are more realistic goals for the men's basketball season the rest of the way? Champ, we'll kick things off with you.
0: I mean, that's – after hearing that list, that's just, it's just so tough. All those things to happen within, like you said, a six, seven-month period uh, I mean, the Jack Nanjie is not good. He was just starting to play well, coming into his own the last couple games, playing really well as your starting power forward. It, it sucks. I mean, right now, you probably have to realistically think your goal right now is probably to compete for maybe getting into the tournament. Coming into the year, I thought a tournament appearance was a not a guarantee, but you know, a probability. Now it's probably... A 25, 30% chance with all those things happening. So, realistically, you're probably thinking of, you know, being a high end NIT team, I guess, a one or two seat in the NIT, and hopefully winning enough games to maybe get yourself in position for a tournament run. But, yeah, it sucks. I mean, obviously, we we all wanted to go into this year thinking that they can make a tournament more on. But with the Bohannon, I mean, he didn't even play last game. I mean, clearly, he's not the same. I, I don't know if they're going to sit him at some point. It, that might be the best idea and just let him come into next year fully healthy. But, yeah, it's it's just too much, I think, to overcome, to to realistically think that they can be a definite tournament team this year.
2: I mean, most teams, Jared, can't sustain that much Change and that's sort true of a time period, and still be like a tournament contender team. So, what are your expectations for this team going into the rest of the season?
1: The expectations have to be down to NIT tournament at this point. I think Ken Palm has them as a projected record of 16 and 14 and 9-11 in the conference. That's just not good enough, and. This team defensively is an abatross. Like, they're, they're not going to stop anybody. They weren't going to stop anybody with Jack Nanji, and they, they're not going to stop anybody now. They're going to have to continuously outscore the competition. And when you have to go up against Texas Tech and maybe San Diego State, Syracuse, Michigan, Iowa State, even Maryland, Penn State, Wisconsin even, like, you're not going to have too much success doing that. This team has a lot of growing to do. It is a younger team in my eyes, and unless Luca Garza and a guy like Toussaint and Weiscamp all together start averaging about 20 points a game, I just don't see how Iowa was anything more than an NIT team at best.
2: It's funny because I believe when Frame was first introduced, someone asked him about his scheduling philosophy, and he know, he always said he'd schedule schedule opponents based on how confident he was in his team. And this is probably the hardest schedule that any of France teams have had since they've oh, this been is crazy. And it's arguably going to be the most inexperienced, and most and like the most young team that the youngest team that France had since he's been in Iowa. So it's very as like just kind of like dumb luck, right? Because a lot of that stuff is just bad luck that happens to to the roster. And so I don't I don't think he fully got what he was expecting going into the season. I think he was dealt kind of a, a low blow. But I agree, Jared. So the, the NIT is kind of the, those expectations. It's that five hundred record overall, maybe a little bit under, is probably what we're looking at. They they can't stop anybody, and I mean even guys like um, Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp camp stepping up. It's just you're not going to be able to outscore everybody in the Big Ten. You have to play defense, and there's just not they haven't shown it at all yet this season. But oh, and. Oh. I'll say
0: one thing it's going to, I mean, there's going to be games where we're going to be very frustrated because they're going to allow a lot of points and it's, they're going to be some ugly games, but at the same token, there's going to be some shootout, like awesome games that are in like the eighties and nineties that Iowa hopefully are going to pull out some of those games because they are fun offensively. I understand J not being healthy is a horrible blow to this team, but they have some offensive talent and Luca Garza looks like he's taking the next step. Like he, he looks legit. Like he's going to be a 20, 23 point game scorer this year. He's getting boards. I mean, he looks awesome out there. So it's going to be, it's, it's, I'd rather have a team if we're going to be like a, an average team or like a 500 team, I'd rather have a team that scores 85 points a game and maybe gives up 90 as opposed to like a, boring you know typical wisconsin team that'll <laughs> score you know 55 points and you know give up 50 yeah that's real fun to watch so
2: so champ i'll throw this question to you you threw this one to us uh and they in our rundown game they play texas tech on thanksgiving is it going to be a shootout that they have a chance of winning or are they going to get sh- just blown out of the gym on thanksgiving
0: i think Gonna ke- I think they're going to keep this game pretty close. I think they're going to be able to score against Texas Tech. I know Texas Tech has the athletes. They're they're very much like DePaul. Like when we played DePaul earlier this year, they definitely wow. have athletes. Mark that up
1: as something you wouldn't think you'd hear. At the <laughs> I know. I mean, DePaul
0: is undefeated. I mean, they look good right now. But I, I digress. But I, I Tech think Tech plays Iowa's DePaul
1: gonna- right after Iowa
0: they that is true I think that they are going to learn from that DePaul game where they were pretty much dominated from start to finish I think they're going to make some adjustments and I think they're going to keep this game close I think it's going to be in that the score is going to be in the 80s I don't know if I was going to win it but I think they're going to keep it a lot closer than people expect
2: Jared do you have any any hope that they pull off an upset versus Texas Tech on Thanksgiving
0: I don't have
1: hope for an upset but I agree with champ I think it's I think it's within five, six points with some free throws at the end and maybe extending the actual lead itself. But I think I can keep this close. For the, here's the deal with the nudge injury. Fran's going to have to go small. Fran's going to have to play lineups that maybe he didn't want to. He's going to have to continue playing freshman. And that's a really ultimately good thing for the longevity of this team. I think Bohannon, at this point, I, he should probably just Sit. call. Yeah, he should probably just come back next season, be fully healthy. Yeah, you don't, this... want,
0: you don't want your senior year to be marked like when you, you're you playing 15 minutes a game and you're like not that effective. I'd much rather get him fully healthy. I mean, we he experienced a couple games, and he, he uh, it's so evident that he just doesn't look the same. So just sit down, get healthy, right. and then come back fully for a hopeful, memorable senior year.
1: Right. And at this point, it's not like Wieskamp's gonna be going to the NBA. I think we all no. hoped that he would be playing at that level, but he's definitely not there yet. Maybe with the Big Ten explosion, he might be there. But let's just let's just call it Like let's just call it what it is. Luca Garza, he'll be back for a senior year. So at this point, like I think everything should be focused on that 2020, 2021 season. And that's uh kind of where Fran maybe is gonna have his best potential if those young players start hitting their ceilings at an early stage. For maybe somebody to get into like that
2: Sweet Sixteen area, but yeah, but I think Jerry, you hit you hit a point that I want to go back to. It's going to force Fran to play small lineups. I think that gets Joe Toussaint in the games more, which I think he's proven so far early this season. He deserves more playing time. Yep. So you get him. You get those freshmen, like you mentioned. I think it actually like helps Fran by forcing his hand a little bit. He has a knack for playing a lot of guys all the time, and I think he loves playing guys. I think sometimes he needs to have a smaller rotation and he's going to have more success with that. Not saying that I was going to be like, have so much success this year, but I think it's going to show Fran that he can have a smaller bench and be okay. And then I also think I agree with you guys. Bohanna needs to sit Garza. I mean, we might not be an NBA guy going into next year, but he can still be a really good big 10 basketball player. Totally.
0: And like, yeah. that's all Dude. I care
2: about really as an Iowa fan.
0: Do you guys think there's anything to Cordell Pemzel maybe getting a little more? He's obviously going to get more playing time. Yeah. Do you guys believe that he can, you know, turn it around and be kind of like he was his freshman year? Bang a little bit, get some points. He did have 10 points in the last game. He looked a little better. He's starting to round into shit. I mean, yes, he, he hasn't been playing, but, I mean, he's looking like maybe he's getting into a little bit better shape, which will help him, so... I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I just <laughs> thought maybe you guys would. Who knows?
1: Isn't he shooting like two for ten or fifteen from inside the arc right now? Like uh, that's not too good for a guy that's six nine and I almost he made was, it really
0: he was three for five in the last game, four for five from the free throw line. So it's an improvement. He did start off awful though. I think he was like one for ten in his first couple games. Okay, so yes, I'm right on then. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's AKA what, no. what Jerry hit on. It's it's the freshmen who are going to get more playing time and probably more success out of this injury.
0: Toussaint. A lot of three and four guard lineups, I think we're going to see.
2: Total, and they should Frederick Toussaint,
1: when Patrick's ready and healthy and feeling good like that. Him, and you got to
0: include Connor because you know he's going to play. So
1: and Luca Wieskamp. like that, should be the guys that get the majority of the minutes. Creaner off bench- the bench. Right, Kareena, Pemz will come off the bench. Bakari comes off the bench to spell. I guess Patrick McCaffrey's going to have to play,
2: but or not Patrick, Patrick Connor. Connor. Pa- I mean, honestly, there's there's talk that Patrick could redshirt because of all this, and it's yeah, that
0: that might I be right, redshirt too. too. Same <laughs> with Bohan, and just you know, get, honestly, I mean at, the, at this point, what is Patrick really going to give them? Is he going to be back in what you know a month or two? I mean, like honest, feel honestly, better,
2: just... get in the weight room a little bit, get a little bit more muscle on you, and then come back next year yeah if obviously Bo-
0: his health is a lot more important than iowa's basketball success so get yeah. healthy be good to go and come back next year
1: if nungie's out joe Bo sits and patrick mccaffrey takes a red shirt it's not even nit it's like what you said champ tune into the really good games against the teams <laughs> in the big 10 and hope iowa keeps up and puts on a good offensive performance but like when they're going up and they're playing somebody like ruckers or er, going through the rest of these Nebraska, don't even bother. Just like
2: watch something else.
0: <laughs>
1: watch the ladies. Yes, you should. That's a hundred percent. Watch the ladies. Yeah,
2: it's a year. Be good. It's a year to just uh, just embrace the women's basketball team. They deserve all of our love and our attention this winter. One million percent. All right, guys. Sure. Uh, let's go into football. Thanksgiving, Black Friday versus Nebraska. The last time for the next two years is this. Series gets put on hiatus for Black Friday thanks to uh, Nebraska's wonderful doing, uh, but we will get to that in a second. First thing, since it is Thanksgiving, and Jerry, your wife loves to make us play this "What Are We Thankful For" game. Mm-hmm. I figured we bring this to the podcast. So it's very, very simple. It is something you are thankful for. Iowa-related. It can be football. It can be university. It can be basketball. It can be women's basketball. It could be anything athletics in general. The floor is yours. Something you're thankful for to get into the Thanksgiving spirit. Jerry, I'll throw it to you to kick things off. I am thankful, and this is
1: going to be shock, shocking. It's totally on brand. But after speaking with Robbie, after talking with you, DC, I am thankful for Brian Ference. <laughs> Without Brian Ference. Iowa does not take a big step in recruiting. D.C., I forget if you mentioned this at the start of the show or if you mentioned this before, we were just chatting, but currently Iowa has a recruiting class that is ranked ahead of Nebraska. They are starting to stop going after those guys that are one- and two-star kids or no stars at all and played, like, six-on-six football in some South Dakota town nobody's ever heard of. And they're actually starting to make sure that they get, like, those three-star kids in bulk where they can develop them, where they have the same type of tools and same types of mentality as those kids that they have brought in that are one-star kids. And on top of that, they're adding in little handfuls of four- and five-star guys that they know that they can get to the NFL that also have that same type of mentality. And I think that is a big part because Brian knows that Iowa has a brand that they can sell to these parents, to these kids, and to these coaches. Now, on top of that, Brian is trying to get this offense into this century. It may not always look good, but the things they're doing are right. And eventually, Kirk's going to finally just become the CEO and let Brian run everything around on the inside. And the minute that Brian fully takes over, this program is going to take another step closer to being Wisconsin. So for all of that, I'm very thankful for BF.
2: Jerry, did you ever get a chance to watch the Illinois game since you got back from, from Ohio State? So I hit it up on the YouTube TV,
1: and I, I did go fast. It was more of like the 60-minute uh, Illinois-Iowa game. It was tremendously boring, but yes, I did watch.
2: So that tremendously boring game where they scored 19 points, mm-hmm. opting for field goals instead of touchdowns, yeah, or going four and fourth down, th- those are things you're thankful for. No, that's Kirk Ferentz. I didn't say I was thankful for Kirk
1: Ferentz. I am thankful for Kirk Ferentz. Don't take that out of context, people.
2: (laughs) But I think those are Kirk Ferentz decisions, not Brian Ferentz decisions. So how can you be thankful for Brian Ferrance if Kirk Ferrance still has that firm of a grip on this program offensively?
1: Because the little baby steps we've taken in terms of recruiting and getting talent and the offensive talent that we have on this football team that we have coveted all season long does not exist if Brian isn't the offensive coordinator and pushing his dad to take slow steps into this type of recruiting environment. enough.
0: This is what I would like to know. I would like to know why every single time Iowa doesn't score enough points or is too conservative that it's Kirk Ferentz's fault, but then when Iowa has halves like they did against Minnesota, we give credit to Brian Ferentz. That's what I would like to know because it seems to be a little bit of bullshit to me because every single time that Iowa plays a a game like they did against Illinois where they're having to settle for field goals and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's Kirk Kirk Ferentz. has his hands on this game? It's, this is all Kirk Ferentz. But then when we have a half like we get did d- against Minnesota, oh Brian, this is Brian's hands <laughs> on this one. Look at this per- offensive performance—they're coming out. I'm so sick of this shit. Every single time, it's it's a it's a double-sided way, and it's it's completely ridiculous.
2: Before I throw it back to Jerry, I want to build on that for a second, champ, because Jerry also mentions the recruiting. I think the recruiting goes to Seth Wallace. It goes to Calvin Bell. It goes to Kelton Copeland. It goes to Derek Foster. It goes to all these other younger coaches who are position coaches. Before I even go to Brian Ferentz on on the recruiting on the crew. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. He gets credit for every recruit that we've ever got. Now Brian <laughs> Ferentz, it's like it's ridiculous. Hey, I, should we go? Can we go to who I'm thankful for? or Do we want to let Jerry? Uh, let's let suck Jer- off Brian Ferentz. Let's more? let
2: Jerry refute the or rebuke the points we just made. And then we'll go to yours, champ.
0: Go ahead, Jared. Do you have anything to
2: say? Yeah, I know. I, I absolutely do. So in any family,
1: who on the outside has more sway than the son? You bring your son onto the... No, you let me finish. I let you talk and I didn't say a word. Now, when you have your son on the staff and you are a head coach, a stubborn one, might I add you're going to hear all these things from the outside. You're going to hear what Seth Wallace has to say. You're going to hear what Phil Parker has to say. And you know what you're going to say if you're Kirk Ferentz? I'm the boss here. I've been this coach for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. But when your son who is your blood, and he was under Bill Belichick. He comes to you and says, Pops, I think we need to go in this direction. I think we need to expand the type of recruit we're going after on the offensive side of the football. I think we need to bring in these athletes. I think we need to go after these tight ends that you can still develop into defensive ends and linebackers if you want, but this is the key to the offense moving forward. That is Brian Ferentz. He's the one in his father's ear telling him to expand. Newkirk has only been Newkirk since Brian came on the staff. Newkirk wasn't Newkirk when Greg Davis was here. So but i wh- think
0: But what I don't want what I want to like to know is why cannot can Kirk Ference not get any credit for what happened against the first half of what happened against Minnesota. Why why isn't it Kirk Ferentz that went to Brian and said, hey, Brian, let's open up the offense a little more. (laughs) You have these playmakers. Let's do this. But no, it's all got to be Brian Ferentz's fault. This is the same guy that can't score over 26 points in any meaningful game this entire year, and you want to tell us all how thankful you are for him? Give me a break.
2: I mean, Jerry, you literally wrote a whole thing on Black Heart, Gold Pants about them not being able to get to 26 Don't points throw per game. In my
0: face. Yeah, I know but that's I who he's thankful for. He likes 20 points a game and six field goal attempts. Great offensive mind, though. That's who we're thankful for. Okay, champ, who are you thankful for? supposed to put the you know so Thanksgiving you know spirit. Would, you know what that would be like if you were saying, oh, you know what my favorite Thanksgiving dish is? <laughs> you know what I really love? Stuffing. No, it would be like, God, you know, I really love that canned cranberry sauce. I Man, love that's canned my, cranberries. It's my way favorite fucking Thanksgiving dish. That's basically what you just said. Brian Ferentz, you're thankful for him. It's like you're saying, oh, I love canned cranberry sauce. Weak. Canned but then also on, when better. you're
2: actually at the Thanksgiving table, you're like, who brought canned cranberry sauce?
0: Yeah, look, you could still see the lines in the cranberry <laughs> sauce. Who brought that? Oh, that was probably Brian Ferentz. Yep, Definitely. <laughs>
2: All right, champ, who are you thankful for? I, or what are you I'm thankful so, for? And
0: it, it makes me so happy that he said Brian Ferentz, too, because mine is literally the complete opposite, and it's Phil Parker. I mean, how could you not be so thankful for a defense that year in and year out, I don't care how many guys graduate. I don't care how many guys leave early for the <laughs> NFL draft. You can count on this defense being a top 25 unit in the entire nation year in, year out insert linebacker here insert random defensive tackle here insert walk on safety here and it doesn't matter Phil Parker just coaches up these guys and don't tell me about recruiting either. Because Phil Parker is the one who went and got A.J. Epinesa. He's the one who's gotten guys like Chauncey Golson Desmond and Amani Hooker and Josh Jackson and Desmond King. Why am I he's, being
1: attacked? I'm trying I'm to talk not, about him But if
0: you want to be thankful for a coordinator on this team, it should be Phil Parker. No questions asked. The guy, since he's taken over as defensive coordinator in 2011, has consistently made this defense a very, very, and even great unit years. Like this year, it's a great unit. And I don't care elite how many rushing unit. yards that bum-ass Brandon Peters got last week, that defense dominated Illinois, and they've dominated a lot of teams this year, and they haven't given been given what they should on the offensive side of the ball for this team to probably should be 10-1 and one right now.
2: Champ, you hit the nail on the head. He is easily the coordinator to be most thankful for. It is historically going into Detroit, going into Michigan, and finding these under-recruited guys and turning them into all Big Ten defenders. It's also going and switching up his scheme to fit the personnel he has on his roster right now and right in this moment in time. 100%. I gave a lot of crap for Cash at the beginning of the year. I still think it's a ridiculous name for a formation when you're just playing nickel. Nickel. But he, credit to him for, for being able to go to that, get away from the historic 4-3 all the time because of so many injuries and needing to put a the best players on the field. Credit to having a guy like A.J. Epinesa, who he's, he's come on as of late this season, but in the beginning of the part of the season when he was getting double teamed and chipped and forced to just kind of set the edge and not do anything else, what did he do? He moved A.J. Epinesa on stunts. He did what he could do to get him going. So he could have, so the defense could be successful. He's not only doing it off the field with recruiting; he's doing it on the field schematically and keeping Iowa, really frankly, in all these games that they could be losing. Without Phil Parker, this this team might have lost two or three more games. Is that who you're thankful for? It's not.
1: Phil Parker's great. Listen, if we had the opportunity to do 18 hours worth of thankful podcasts, Phil Parker would have been my second choice.
0: And She shouldn't be your second choice, so that's the problem. But that's not he Brian Ferentz shouldn't even be in your mind as someone you're thankful for with this Iowa football team. DC, let's hear who you're I
1: don't understand for. how it's the holidays and you can tell somebody what they can and cannot be thankful for.
0: Because it's just dumb. I mean, it really <laughs> is. I mean, he It is. He sh- done it. He has not done close that's, to enough to okay. for you to going be Okay, going back to Thanksgiving
1: him. analogy, that's like me saying when you come to dessert, pumpkin pie is the best of dessert, and I tell you that you're an asshole, and that's false. This I mean, is what it's, you're it's saying.
0: It, pumpkin pie is a tremendous dessert. It's the best one out there. Not I know, but
1: does, I mean, Brian Ferris is the best offensive coordinator that we got.
0: Uh, he's the only one we
1: can. Oh, pumpkin pie is the only dessert there. It's the best one you got. That's, That's not
0: ridiculous. true. Who only DC, brings one dessert? Give us who you're thankful for, please. I've heard, I heard enough about Brian.
2: Who, who only brings one dessert to Thanksgiving, anyway?
0: Yeah, my sister's making like four different pies this year for Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, lucky you guys. Not all of us are as dessert uh, win the dessert lottery
2: every Thanksgiving. Christ. <laughs>
0: All right, what Lovely I'm most thankful making for making a nice homemade ice cream to go with the pies. It's going to be great. It's
2: going to be fantastic. I'm going to say what I'm thankful for now. Um, I am thankful for the recruiting. We've touched on it a little bit. I touched on it again at the beginning of the show. But the biggest thing that I have been on since I was a freshman in Iowa was I never understood why Iowa couldn't get the, a better level of recruit. Because Iowa just turns out these two stars, these walk-ons, these low three star guys who only have Mac offers into NFL all NFL players for years and years and years. So any high school kids could see that should see that and want to play for Kirk Ferentz. And they are finally, I think, getting with the times. So going back to 2015 and going all the way to 2020, these are the recruiting rankings from 24-7. 59th, 47th, 41st, 39th, 41st, and now 26th for 2020 you have a top arguably a top 25 recruiting class coming into the university that might be the highest class i was ever had and you see what the class this past year did is already with tyler goodson i tweeted out the screenshot from the game on on saturday of all the impact talent playing as freshmen and the the skill players that are still there and will be on iowa's campus for at least the next three years it's so refreshing to see, and it's so promising for the future of this program, regardless who the offensive coordinator is, regardless who the defensive coordinator is, regardless who the head coach is. Their willingness to play these guys and go and get them has been a godsend for this football team and should in- continue to improve the performance of this team on the field for years to come as long as they keep up this effort. And you know that's think-
0: something you should be thankful for. Very good answer, DC.
2: And you don't think Brian Ferentz has anything to do with that? I think he certainly has a role in doing it. But Calvin Bell's a recruiting coordinator. Seth Wallace is the same guy. Ah, Phil Parker ah. is in charge, is finding guys left and right and turning them into all pros. They, I, mm. I'm not saying Brian Ferentz isn't part of it, but you just say that's one of the reasons you're thankful for when he doesn't I – mean, as a coordinator, he's probably not that heavily involved in the recruiting side of it. Where Phil Parker handpicks his guys to come play cornerback for him, I don't know what Brian Ferentz is going to go handpick. He's gonna, he keeps Tight claiming and goes – he keeps coming. He can go find guards that come and go. Well, our guards Tight this year are going to be the worst. He says,
0: you mean the position that's been non-existent for nine of the 11 games Don't you year? say that about Sam LaPorta. That's what you literally just said. Tight no, ends. guards. Well, according
1: to you guys last week, they graduated the other two, so you have to count them because they didn't plan on it. No, no, no. I'm that, saying they, I mean, I'm saying guards. True. Oh, is that
2: fair, champ? Are you actually that's saying it's fair. fair?
0: Yes, I said Oh, yeah,
2: because they thought Hawk would stay. I was saying guards Maybe. are one thing that he said he could go find it at Come and Go, and he hasn't had really much success with that this year. He also yeah. has said multiple times that the way
1: Minnesota and Nebraska go about the recruiting makes him recruit at a higher level. So, yes, Brian is out there hitting the pavement, finding these kids, and going mano-a-mano-a-mano mono with the Scott Frost and the PJ Flex, who offer scholarships out to everybody. So stop pretending that Brian Farris doesn't have anything to do with the offensive success, at least in recruiting.
0: At least okay, if recruiting. you're
2: Recruiting against Scott Frost right now, what does he have to sell? They've been four and eight, four and eight, and five and six he's, last I don't know. three years.
0: He could sell all the amazing hoodies that he wears every week <laughs> that he then gets makes fun of his players for wearing, but he, he can, can wear them. He could I
1: mean, sell the new Nadamakong Sioux Sue iPads they put in their locker room, which was like a big story from three years ago.
2: <laughs> but and sure, it's it's a concerted effort across the whole coaching staff. They all have to have a part in recruiting. But to me, it's been a, I mean, credit has to go to Calvin Bell for five, for being the re, for being the lead guy I'm recruiting. Yeah, yeah shouts uh, to it's, Calvin it's Bell. It's not
0: even a question.
2: All right. Well, all right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll uh, preview this Nebraska game.
1: I don't and, feel very thankful before the break. Just so everybody knows. Well, Jared, do you want me to
2: say something we're thankful for you?
1: Yeah. How about everybody says something positive about Brian Ferentz?
2: No, I was going to say something about thankful about you, not Brian Ferentz.
1: No, I think you should each have to say something you're thankful for for Brian Ferentz right now. I'm
0: very thankful that Jerry finally has grown out a beard and he looks like a man right now with that beautiful beard (laughs) that he has. I love you, Jerome.
2: That's something to do with Brian. I'll I'll give Brian credit. He has implemented some different things schematically that have helped this offense.
0: Thank you. Great. Champ? Um, I am thankful for the fact that he helped get Tyler Goodson because I think he's going to be the best running back I was ever had.
1: Good job. And now to the break.
2: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here
1: is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
2: All right, guys, we are releasing this early because Iowa plays on Black Friday this year versus Nebraska The last time, as I said before, for the next two years because Nebraska decided they didn't want to play Iowa again on Black Friday anymore. Um, So I think what's easiest thing to do right now is to go back to 2014 when Nebraska's then-AD had the infamous comments of, at the end of the day, he had to evaluate where Iowa was as a program when they fired Bo Pelini. Yep. So I figured what better place to go from here five years later than to revisit those comments and really see where each program is. So, Iowa as a program since 2014, would either of you care to guess what Iowa's winning percentage is from 2015 through this year?
0: Uh I will guess 730.
2: Very close. Jared, do you have a guess? I'm gonna guess
1: they average about it's either eight or nine wins, so I'll go nine wins, which is what? Nine divided by 12, 75%. percent. It is
2: seventy percent. You have the fifteen and, or the twelve and O team twelve and two season in twenty fifteen, with a whole bunch of eight and nine win seasons after that. Would you kind of guess Nebraska's win percentage since that infamous quote?
0: Five hundred. Uh, no, it's under. I'll say forty-three percent.
2: Very close, champ. Forty-five percent. In that time, since they have fired Bo Polini because <laughs> all they could do was win nine Idiots. games. They've won since nine games one time since they fired Bo Polini. And again, I mean, they won't win nine games this pathetic. year. Pathetic. Would either of you care to guess how many coaches? This is an easy question, by the way. How many coaches Iowa has had since 2014? Oh, uh, one. one. Congra- congrats. <laughs> you guys are both correct. How many coaches has Nebraska had since 2014? Three. Technically three, but really two. Yeah,
0: because they
2: the, had the interim mm-hmm. for a game. Or yeah, games. give me that. So, Nebraska had to fire about plenty because he only won nine games every year for, for three coaches who have combined to win 45% of their games. And oh. would you care to guess what was we said this, on this, I said this earlier. Iowa's recruiting class rank for 2020 is 26th in the nation. Would you care to guess what Nebraska's recruiting class ranking is for the 2020 season? Champ, we'll start with you. Fifty three. 53 Jerry what do you say 49 35th so I was a solid almost 10 spots higher than Nebraska than the vaunted black shirts the vaunted but
0: isn't that isn't that why they hired Scott Frost because he's such an amazing recruiter how's that working out
2: well you know it's a lot a lot harder to get guys to get guys to go Central America versus Central Florida
0: oh that's for damn sure.
2: So, I asked you guys this question, and you guys can go with it any way you'd like. Which would, who would you rather be right now moving forward? The University of Iowa or the University of Nebraska? Jared, go for it. Um, I'd much rather be
1: Wisconsin, but if I have to choose between these two, I will pick the University of
0: Iowa.
2: You never, you never can just play a game, Kenya.
0: I mean, he's just a <laughs> stupid ass answer. <laughs>
2: Champ, would you like to be Nebraska?
0: Fuck no. Who the <laughs> hell would ever choose to be Nebraska? I'll go with what George Kittle said yesterday after that beating of San Francisco. When Iowa beats Nebraska again this week, the the state of Nebraska just becomes Iowa, and we don't even want the goddamn state. <laughs> That's what George Kittle said, and I agree. Nobody wants Nebraska. They're a dog shit state. They're a horrible football team. I would much rather be Iowa, and it's not even close
2: do we've alluded to it a lot this season as we've talked about the big 10 overall and all this other stuff. Is there any part of you that thinks Nebraska that that Scott Frost figures this out at all and gets Nebraska back on track?
0: Nope. Nope. I I think Scott Frost will be fired after next season, after another disappointing five and seven year next year. I think he will be relieved of his duties and they will be right back at square one looking for another coach. Jerry, do you think he has that short of a leash?
2: Scott Frost
1: is the biggest pretender in the Big Ten who is more concerned with what players are wearing and their actions on the sidelines than his actual coachability and how he has developed this talent that he's been able to actually get or has Taken over after the firing of the previous coach, Scott Frost has one season left, and if he does not somehow win the Big Ten West, Nebraska fans are going to sour once again and bring in the next hot candidate from the of the Pac-12, and he's going to flounder and suck too because Nebraska, sorry pals, you're just not going to get the job done—not in Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota's Big uh, Big Ten West.
2: So I think he's got a longer leash than, than one more year if this continues because he did, he did just sign an extension. He is from Nebraska. He played at Nebraska. He has everything that Nebraska fans want, so I think his leash is as long as humanly possible than any other coach could possibly have at Nebraska because I also think that if they fire him, they know for a fact that no one can win at Nebraska anymore, and I feel like they're going to hold on to hope of all hopes that he figures this out because they don't want to make they don't want to have to admit that.
1: I mean, they're why? going. Go good. ahead, Drew. I, I just don't understand. Like, they're going into the Iowa game and they need to win to go to a bowl game in his second year. Like, that is not at all what he's promised or talked about. And then you're going to give that guy an extension. It's out of it's, good, it's,
0: uh, it's crazy. It's, it's asinine. I don't understand why they <laughs> gave him an extension. It literally makes no sense.
2: It it's because he has a good agent who somehow conned Nebraska into giving him an, an extra two years.
0: Did they think, like, did, was Nebraska scared that another team was going to take them? Like, who the hell wants Scott Frost right now?
2: I, I honestly don't know. I mean, he has he talked way down his expectations for this team. He throws his players under the bus at every opportunity that he gets. And he openly talks about trying to bring the way back things they did in the 90s. Which, if you're trying to do stuff in the 90s, in 2019, and 2020s in the 2020s, you're doing it wrong. Things have changed a lot in 30 years. Not in Nebraska, though. But there's no way. That story on ESPN where he was literally talking about rebuilding the walk-on program and doing all this stuff (laughs) that they did in the 90s, that's such a a just caveman way to think about how you should resurrect a football program. That's
1: what I'm saying, though. He's worried about all the wrong things. 100%.
0: 100%. I mean, it's just ludicrous. These like, comments, he's, he's taking making-
1: the short amount of time he's got during his day to think about things that aren't like game film and game prep and how to keep his kids from just like not being the hell out of somebody to trying to develop a walk-on program.
0: And have his kids not wear hoodies. Like, come on.
1: But he's Nebraska through and through the land that time forgot. Nebraska.
0: <laughs> that should be their state slogan. <laughs>
2: So we'll go into this, we'll go in the preview of this mode then we'll make the pick in a second. Are you worried at all after Nebraska put on a <sighs> put on a bunch of points against Maryland last week? Are you worried at nothing. all going into this game?
0: No, not at all. Adrian Martinez is still not good, that Nebraska defense is piss poor. I don't care what they did against Maryland. That's like saying, oh, are you concerned because they beat the shit out of Rutgers? (laughs) Maryland right now is in the same category as Rutgers. They had a great start to the year, but they have done absolutely nothing since week three.
2: Jared, are you worried at all?
1: No, I've brought a lot of Ohio State swagger with me back home from Columbus, and I'm not even thinking about even anything remotely close to being a game in this one. I was going to go in there. Nate Stanley's going to do his whole thing. He's going to show everybody once and for all that people are actually going to miss him and that he was a good Iowa quarterback. And Nebraska, like, they scored 13 points against Northwestern. I mean, do I need to say anymore? They almost lost that game.
0: Matt, remember, speaking about Northwestern, remember when Jerry said they were going to win outright against Minnesota this week? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Moron I am. A little, a little bit wrong on that one, bruh.
2: <laughs> no, I'm with you guys. The, the, this Iowa defense has held almost every single team they've played this year to their lowest scoring output of the season. Adrian Martinez is not a good quarterback, and I think this defense pr- proves that further. And I do think the offense has enough big plays against this Swiss cheese defense that turn into touchdowns versus being stopped in the red zone that settle for field goals that you might actually break the 26-point mark this week if you just based off big plays alone.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to score in the 40s this week. I think they're going to score 41 points.
2: So on that note, let's go into some picks for the Big Ten for Rivalry Week. As I pull up my app here with the Big Ten Lions going into as of Monday, let's start with the most important rivalry games in the Big Ten. You've got, of course, Maryland and Michigan State. Michigan State is a (laughs) 22-point favorite. (laughs) Who do you got?
0: I got to go Michigan State because Maryland, as much as Michigan State keeps getting too much love in these picks, Maryland is just playing so bad right now that I think Michigan State's going to hammer them.
1: Jerry, what about you? Yeah, I'm taking Michigan State as well. Good pick, champ
2: clean sweep for Michigan State. The next great rivalry in the Big Ten, Rutgers versus Penn State. Penn State's a 40-point favorite. Jerry, who are you taking?
1: Uh, I'm going to take Rutgers. I don't know if... uh... God, I'm blanking on his name. The quarterback's gonna play or not? Clifford. Sean hip- Clifford. Thank you. Sean Clifford's hip looked pretty busted up the other day. We, he was standing right in front of us. He was in a towel, then he was in a coat, and he couldn't really walk around even on the sideline. So, if fake Tim Tebow's gonna be in again, I think Rutgers can cover
2: the forty points. Champ, who do you got?
0: Uh, I, <laughs> I have Penn State. I think they're going to go in there they're going to hammer Rutgers. Rutgers is a piss-poor football team. I don't care who's quarterbacking, if it's Clifford or if it's – what did Jerry call him? The Fake white, Tim Tebow. Oh, I thought he called him the white right-handed Michael Vick. Maybe that was just in my mind. I don't know. God, no, I didn't call him that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll take Penn State as well. Let's get in some actual rivalries in the Big Ten. Northwestern Illinois – Illinois is a nine and a half point favorite. I was impressed with Illinois' defense last week. I want to take Illinois to cover this easily. Northwestern can't score. Illinois' defense is legit. Lovey Smith gets the seven wins. Jerry, who do you got?
1: The battle for Chicago. I'm taking Lovey Smith and the Illini. This is all them. The defense is too good. Brandon Peters is too good for Northwestern. For Northwestern okay. champ.
0: That's, that was a that was a good little <laughs> addendum right there because I've never heard once anyone say Brandon Peters is too good. <laughs> champ, but who That you being said, I still I still like Illinois. Northwestern is horrible. I, the fact that it's only nine and a half seems low to me. It,
2: it does seem a little low. Let's go to Indiana from Atlanta Lincoln to Indiana. Indiana is a seven point favorite for the old Oakland Bucket versus Purdue. Champ, kick us off this one.
0: So, are, is nine-win Indiana still on the table because it includes the bowl game? It's, do we count that?
2: It certainly, it certainly counts. Sure, yes you do.
0: So then, yeah, I like Indiana. I think they're going to win. Purdue has been a very unimpressive lately. Ever since that victory against uh, Nebraska, they've not looked good. So, give me Indiana.
2: I'm with you, champ. Taking Indiana to keep the nine-win Indiana alive. Jerry, what about you?
1: yeah um I'm I can't bet this soon enough. Indiana is going to crush Purdue. I'm telling you guys they packed it in weeks ago.
2: They packed it in weeks ago. All right. do you guys want to do Ohio State, Michigan or Wisconsin, Minnesota next? Wisconsin, Minnesota. I-
0: all right. Okay, I was we'll going to say the opposite, but that's fine.
1: Well, let's go <laughs> Champ's way because you know what? He's been a sourpuss on this Thanksgiving episode. I have not been a
0: sourpuss <laughs> at all. I'm just speaking truth that I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, like, you know what? Champ's got a pretty damn good point there. Maybe we shouldn't be giving some Brian Ferent so much love.
2: <laughs> all right, Champ, you win. Ohio State's going to Ann Arbor. They are nine-point favorites versus Michigan. Who you got, Champ?
0: I think Michigan is going to cover this week. I like this game to be very close. I think Harbaugh is going to just get the boys riled up in any way he possibly can. I think Ohio State wins this game. But like last week against Penn State, we all liked uh, Penn State to keep it close. They did just that. They covered. And I think Michigan does that this week. I think it's going to be a late field goal, uh, like a third. 28 25 or like a 24 21 type score and i think ohio state wins but it'll it'll stay close so give give me michigan in the points
2: okay Jer, this game you didn't want to pick yet for yet, but
1: go for it, make a pick i'm taking ohio state i think jk dobbins is the best running back after seeing him live in the big 10 that dude is legitimately frightening justin fields Doesn't even have to do anything, and he still has dudes wide open on the field. I was way wrong about him in the beginning of the year, so I'm going to say I'm thankful to get to watch him another week. Nine is not enough for me. If this creeps up into that 11-12-13 range, which I I have a feeling it might by the time kickoff happens, I might think about Michigan, but I think Ohio State absolutely wins this game by at least
2: 10. We are now in bowl game season. Michigan and Iowa are very much likely head-to-head for the Holiday Bowl spot. So what better way to be thankful for that Michigan plays Ohio State this week for Ohio State to curb-stomp Michigan, take all the fama rail out of it, and put Iowa in San Diego for the Holiday Bowl because no one wants to go to a Michigan Bowl game because they lose another game to Ohio State, and this time not even Irvin Meyer. So if you can't beat Urban Meyer, then you can't beat his replacement. When are you ever going to beat Ohio State again? Give me Ohio State. This this could be 14. This could be probably 16 points before I even think about taking Michigan at this point right now.
1: Guess what? Harbaugh ain't beating him next year either because all these kids are coming right back. And there's freshman receivers all over the place. Justin Fields, this defense, cornerback quarter, you. like? Sorry, Harbaugh. It's never happening.
2: It's going to be tough if it doesn't happen this year. All right, let's go to Paul Bunyan's Axe, Wisconsin, going to Minneapolis to play Minnesota. Wisconsin, a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite versus Minnesota. This line hasn't moved at all since it announced it's on Monday night. Jer, who are you picking in this game?
1: That is no respect for Minnesota. I am ready to see PJ Fleck in a big time game. And this is going to be the deciding factor of like, I tweeted about it when we played him. There's this weird thing with PJ Fleck where like you hate him half the time, but then other times you kind of talk yourself into him. This is going to be the game where I either talk myself all the way in or all the way out, and I will never ride the fence on him ever again. Win and I'm in PJ Fleck. Let's get you to Indianapolis and see what you can do against Ohio State because I don't really need to see the rematch against Wisconsin. Champ, who are you picking?
0: I think it's going to be Minnesota as well. I like them at home. I just think Minnesota's wide receivers are going to create too many mismatches in that Wisconsin secondary. We saw what Iowa did when they finally – when Brian Ferentz took his head out of his ass and they finally decided they wanted (laughs) to throw the ball in the second half. They threw all over Wisconsin's secondary. I think Minnesota's going to do that from the get-go. I think those wideouts on Minnesota are too tough for the secondary Wisconsin. And I think Tanner Morgan, he had that little refresher last week with the concussion against Minnesota – or against Northwestern. Didn't have to play much, and I think he's going to – I think he's going to have a big game. And I like Minnesota – to get to the Big Ten championship and win the West at home, surprise their underdogs, honestly. I really am.
2: Let's row the boat to Indianapolis. Let's go, Minnesota. Champion hit the nail on their head. The receivers are way too big, way too physical for Wisconsin. What they did to Penn State, they will do again to Wisconsin. You hit on big plays with those receivers, and the, Wisconsin's been sus- susceptible to the big play. So, here we go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to Indianapolis, Minnesota. Let's go P.J. Flex. See what you can do against the top Big Ten team this year in the conference. Give me Minnesota. Easy as a home underdog. All right. I, think
0: Rashad, I think Rashad Bateman's the best receiver in college football. I mean, the he's guy is there. absolutely incredible. He's big. He creates mismatches. And he's got speed, too. He's like everything. That's going to be the difference. He's going to be too much. Yeah.
2: I, I tend to agree with you, Champ. All right, let's go. Black Friday, Iowa, Nebraska, in Lincoln. Iowa's a five-and-a-half-point favorite as of recording this on Monday night. Champ, give me a pick and a score.
0: I think Iowa wins this game going away 41-17. to 17. I don't think it's going to be close, really, at all. I think this is going to be a big-time road dub for Nate Stanley. I know Nebraska is not, you know, a top end team, but I think it's his last, you know, regular season game with the Hawkeyes. I think he's gonna want to go out on a bang. And I think they go in the Lincoln and they just hammer him. 41-17.
2: Jared picking a score.
1: Uh, I'm also taking Iowa. I'm walking, in, I'm walking into Black Friday like nothing bad ever happens to the Hawkeyes. I'm with you, champ. I think it's going to be
2: 41-17-2. Let's freaking do this. Let's go. I'm going to be a little less optimistic on the offense. I'll say 31, probably more optimistic on the defense. 31-10. Iowa wins this one easily on Black Friday. We go to 9-3 on the season and going for a 10-win season in the Holiday Bowl, as I called it with machines curb stomping versus Ohio State. We have a Holiday Bowl versus a Pac-12 team and a potential 10 win season for Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes. Guys, anything else before we wrap the show this week?
0: I just want to wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your families. Eat a shit ton. It's a great holiday. Drink yourself some beer. Watch some football. And then enjoy the next day, Iowa beating Nebraska.
2: Amen, champ. Guys, again, we I said at the beginning of the show, but I, we really, really do mean it. We are very thankful for all of you guys who listen, who interact with us on Twitter, who give us feedback, give us your thoughts on the show each and every week. We love interacting with you guys. You guys can do so on Twitter, at BHGP, at Shy People Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, or at Dave Cray. Subscribe to the show. Share this with your friends. Share this with your other Hawkeye f- friends and family in your life the Black Heart Gold Pens podcast feed wherever you guys get your podcasts we'll talk to you guys again after the Nebraska game and we'll get you guys ready for the bowl season as we do not take any time off then the season will be right enough basketball as well for Jer for Champ MDC talk to you guys again soon go Hawks happy Thanksgiving
1: go Hawks apple pie is better than pumpkin not true trick or treat Iowa City if you don't love it leave it USA, number one.